Welcome to the Hypnotic Healers Podcast, your home for insights and insider knowledge about hypnotic change work. With your hosts, control practitioners and hypnotists, Nicole Mazzucato and Anthony Gitch. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hypnotic Healers. I'm Nicole Mazzucato and as always, I'm here with my friend and co-host Anthony Gitch. Our usual disclaimer before we get started, neither Anthony nor I nor our guests today are licensed medical professionals, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists or anything of the sort. So please do not make any changes or alterations to any medications or treatments that you're on based on the conversation you hear here today. Take what you like and leave the rest. And while you're leaving stuff, leave us a like, a love, a heart, a thumbs up, a really great review. Drop us a message, whatever your heart's desires. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am good. And it's always good to see you. And, you know, today I am excited. Nicole has introduced me to somebody, um, decided to have him on the show, a Mr. Scott Grossberg out of the L.A. area. He is a magician, a life coach. Well, I'm going to say a, a performance coach, a success coach. Um, but everybody, Scott Grossberg. Uh, nice to, thank you. It's nice to see both of you. I'm it's really, really happy to have you on the show. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this is going. I, who doesn't love a who doesn't who, who doesn't love a good mystery? Yeah, yeah. Well, it could it could go in any direction. But yeah, really excited. I actually came across you uh, at the beginning of January 2023. You did an interview with Anthony Jackwin, who I believe you've known for a long time. Um, launching or not launching, talking about your pivot play um, right. business mastermind group and saw the interview and I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in, came in, joined your group and loving it so far. It's, Thank um, you. It's, yeah. yeah, but both Anthony and Freddie are very dear friends. Uh, I've obviously, as you know, Nicole, uh, trained with both of them, uh, but we, we've got very like-minded um, friends and colleagues and associates because both of them are into magic uh, and mentalism and one thing led to another and we all got together among other places up in Las Vegas at one point and uh, it was just a fascinating get together and I, I love both of these men. I mean, they're just absolutely marvelous. They are. They, they are, are very. We've had the, both good men. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, we've had the pleasure of having both of them on as guests and and I was oh, how, did with you, them. So I got to yeah. tell. I just tell you it was a quick side that nobody even I think really knows about. I didn't realize I had an accent until Freddie got a hold of me and he said, I need an American, I need a male American accent. Can you do that? I went, well, I'm male and I'm American. I suppose I can do that. Um, and so I'm the male American voice for Freddie's Stop Smoking program. Oh, nice. oh cool. <laughs> As if that was your claim to fame, Scott. That was it. Yeah, it's just a yeah. male, male American voice, right? I didn't have an accent until I met all of you guys across the pond. But yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Right on. So it. now, why don't you? You've got a very interesting background. You have got a background in law. You've got a background in all sorts of stuff. What brought you? into deciding that you were going to go full bore on the thinking magically stuff? Um, great question. And it's a very deep question. If we have time for me to answer it, I'll try to do so. I'll try in vain to do so uh, <laughs> as succinctly as possible. Uh, I grew up in a family uh, that was heavily involved in 
the mystic arts, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, there are pictures of my great-grandmother, for example, in full. I'm going to use the word. It is not meant disrespectfully, but this is how I grew up. It was we full gypsy garb. You know, my mm-hmm. family is from Romania and Ukraine, etc. Um, so there's that. And then uh, she would... Uh, she passed it on to my grandmother and my mother passed it on to me. Uh, I actually sitting across from me have a crystal ball uh, that was given uh, to my grandparents from Howard Hughes among others, because uh, readings were done for Howard Hughes's one of Howard Hughes's wives. Uh, It's gorgeous crystal ball, by the way, I just sits there and it's like, Oh my goodness. Um, And then when I was five years old, uh, Anthony, I came home from kindergarten and I now know it to be a deck of tarot cards. There was a deck of tarot cards sitting on my bed. I couldn't understand it. Nicole, you're going to laugh at this because I know you're multilingual. I couldn't understand it. It was a bunch of pictures and words on it that I didn't know. I know it now to be a tarot de Marseille and it was all written in French. Uh, So I kind of just glommed on to the visual aspect of that proceeded to go through and learn all this stuff and then uh, always had that with me as a common thread. 13, I was at summer camp and there was a magician at camp and he was doing tricks for all the other kids. And I just happened to have one of those minds that is able to see patterns and see through things. Mm. And I could see what he was doing. But what I couldn't tell was how he was getting the reactions that I saw from the other kids that were there. And it was at that point I said, I want to do that. <laughs> and so and so this whole concept of thinking magically, which by the way, I want to distinguish from magical thinking. They are not the same thing. Uh, thinking magically is essentially how to think like a wizard, uh, how, how to design at what the outcome is, how to then deconstruct backwards to get the outcome that you want. Uh, I combined that, and uh, I was painfully shy as a kid, so they all went hand in hand. I mean, I used to hide under the bed, literally, uh, when I was a kid. So I took the magic, the mysticism, uh, followed a philosophy degree and theater arts degree from college, and one thing kind of led to another, ultimately until, and, and by the way, it was then that I started doing seminars for people back then. I called it you, Y-O-U which stood for your own understanding. It was essentially Mm -hmm. what I'm doing now. And it was broken down into 28 different components uh, or different uh, subsets, different lessons built around the 22 major arcana symbolism and the hero's journey. And then Mm -hmm. uh, the big breakthrough was I went to to, uh, law school and I'd already, I'd, I'd always kind of dabbled in conversational hypnosis and NLP, not really knowing what they were. Uh, and, and can well, I just ask you, yeah. how did you go from a degree in philosophy and, and performing arts to law? Oh, wait for it. Oh, okay. Oh, wait for it. <laughs> um, so I, I grew up wanting to be three things. I don't know about you guys. Think that, so I, I invite all your listeners, by the way. I'm a firm believer that we are all, no matter what your age, still chasing what you dreamed of when you were a kid. I really right. believe that. And as a kid, I wanted to do three things. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be Batman and I wanted to be, I wanted to be a doctor. And uh, all of this kind of led to me applying for medical school. I worked in a regional 
uh, trauma center. I worked in the emergency room doing ER assisting uh, for surgery and CPR and all the rest of that. Worked on a paramedic unit for quite a while and then applied for med school. And they asked me, why during the interview, they asked me, why do you want to be a doctor? And I said, because I want to help people. I want to save lives. I want to change lives. I want to make an impact. And uh, for good or bad, they actually said, then you don't belong here. And I said, mm -hmm. excuse me? And they said, huh? if you don't, if you don't want money, first and foremost, if you don't want money the most, you will never make it through school, med school, you'll wow. wash out. That 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 your motive your motivation now to get into med school isn't enough to see you through med school, oh. and I became very disillusioned and uh, changed my direction and said, "Well, what the hell?" Can, oh, sorry, I'm going to use a bad word. I said, okay. "What the hell? What the hell else can I do?" Uh, and it was actually suggested for me. I never dreamed of being an attorney, uh, and then using my performance background. Uh, I had studied at UCLA, their, their performing arts program. I had studied uh, at the American Film Institute. I knew directing. I love writing, et cetera. It was like, okay, I'll be a lawyer and I won't just be any lawyer. I want to be a trial lawyer. I want to be at the top of the, I want to be at the top of the game. I, I don't want to do not to put down any other professions, but I don't want to do great. And I certainly don't want to do family law. And I don't want to do, I want to be a trial lawyer. I want to be the guy that's up there, uh, making a difference and getting to do a little show while I'm doing it. And at the beginning of law school, my stepdad, uh, and I've said this for all of you who may have trauma in your background or stress, the best thing, one of the best things that ever happened to me was my parents getting divorced because that resulted in me getting two of the best step parents anybody could ask for. My yeah. step, my stepmom is who introduced me to Bill Larson at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. And one thing led to another. Uh, it was because of her that I eventually was performing back then up in the pubs a mile in the sky on the continental, you know, when you could actually stand up during a flight and do all this stuff. I was doing magic and, and mind reading uh, a mile up in the air. And my stepdad was a professional hypnotist, among other things. Oh, and, wow. And I would watch him periodically, and and he would throw part. They threw a party at the house. And one time, after he got done, I actually walked up to him, cocky, cocky Scott, walked up to him and said, this is all bullshit. You know that, right? They're just, <laughs> pret they're just pretending. And he said, well, it, it's actually not. You've seen me do this. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, then prove it to me. Prove to me that hypnosis is real. And he said to me, what would you like to see? And I said, mm. oh, I don't know. I don't know. Make me forget my name. And he said, <laughs> what name? <laughs> I, I completely, completely, I was gone. I couldn't tell you my name if my life had depended on it then. And I just instantly fell in love with it. So it was through him that it, that I was introduced through to the works of Dave Ellman and Milton Erickson, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it all seemed to me to be very a unified, systematic, same thing. Magic is the same thing. It's a bunch of pattern interrupts. It's a bunch of compounding. It's controlling the audience expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Practicing law in, the, in a trial is the same thing. It's like I am managing 
outcomes. I am managing expectations. I'm framing, I'm pre-framing, I'm compounding, I'm doing the, you know, the post-hypnotics, I'm giving them loops. It's all the same thing. If I perform at the Magic Castle, it's exactly the same thing. So Anthony, long story was I realized I've been doing literally thinking magically my entire life. Uh, and it it became a way for me to get outside of my shyness and get outside of uh, that feeling that I don't belong here. I mean, I don't know if any other kids go through this. I don't know if you guys went through it. Because I I I grew up literally. I wouldn't just hide <laughs> under the bed. I'd hide. Under, I I would hide under the headboard. And wow. it was I couldn't talk to people. It was I, and it wasn't fear. It was I don't belong here. I'm just mm-hmm. weird. Everybody else belongs here, but me. And if it, you don't mind me asking, yeah. how old are you? Get right around. Now? Yeah. What, what do you think? The, the reason I'm asking is because I, I, I'm thinking that we probably grew up around the same era. Because yeah. um, I'm I'm much older than Nicole, um, and and so <laughs> I you know it's 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 interesting listening to this because I had that very same thing. I don't belong here, but yeah. unlike you who went under the headboard, I got the big ass mohawk. I'm like I don't belong here, and I'm going to demonstrate that I don't fucking belong here. <laughs> so and at well there you there you go. Um, I'm 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 actually 65. Oh okay, all right. You're still the good Does generation. It, I, You've I'm, got great skin. Thank you. Um, <laughs> great skin uh, and great hair. <laughs> so, so I do have i I get this from my dad's side of the family, um, and and so I got to tell you, I you asked how old I was. I actually remember not having email, folks. I remember, <laughs> I remember when computers for when computers first came out. Uh, I was the kid, I was the geeky little nerdy kid. I was building computers. I learned to do punch cards and Fortran. That's how old I am. <laughs> and, and so, uh, it's, yeah, it's of that same generation where I remember, I remember drinking out of the garden hose. Mm-hmm. I remember going on my skateboard without a helmet on. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember going to the store on my bike. I remember, mm-hmm. I, I actually remember being told, go outside and play and come back when it's dark. Yes. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the way, that's, yeah. We had the good, we had the, I think that. We had the last great generation of kids that were able to, you know, where, you knew where everybody was because that's where everybody's bikes were, right? Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, part of your story is really just stuck in my mind. I just imagine that five-year-old coming across this deck of tarot cards and and seeing the imagery and, and really kind of diving into the stories of the imagery and, you yeah. know, kind of, I, I just, I could just have this real image of, of you kind of diving into that world in that way. And, and the, the kind of creativity that the storytelling, just the, the vision that that would have, I think, developed if you coming across that as a five-year-old and having the freedom to just say, Oh, wow, look at these pictures and 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 look at the magic and and to the benefit of my my mom i was never given instructions what what happened right. the book was written in french number one um so you know the little white book that comes with these cards so what essentially i was given was a a, a free-for-all because the pages mm. aren't attached free-for-all coloring book uh, and i've always called you know i created a, a my own oracle deck the deck of shadows. And I've always called it a coloring book for the soul. 
because that's how I treated these cards. It was all symbolic. It was all archetypal. It was all very visual for me. I'm a very visual person. Uh, that's how I learn best. It's visual or auditory, depending on on what I'm doing. And so, yeah, Nicole, I would sit down and these cards, you'd lay them out and you put them in a different position. They tell a different story and you put them in a different position. And they, they tell, you know, you can go up and down, you can go sideways, you can go <laughs> diagonal. And, and here's the beauty of this. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. I just knew what mm. felt good. Right. And, and so that, that's, that pleasure seeking, right? We all have pain and pleasure. I happen to be a pleasure seeking guy. I know most of your listeners are into pain avoidance, uh, but that's, that's never done anything. Pain avoidance has never done anything for me. I might be risk averse, but I'm pleasure seeking. And so these cards brought such pleasure to look at them everything would kind of dance. And I, you know, I'm, mm. when I, I remember my dreams. I'm one of those people that actually, I dream I'm dreaming. So it, it that's a whole nother thing. Uh, and so these cards traveled with me everywhere, everywhere. And ultimately that the, just the symbolism of them uh, became my senior project in, in as one of my philosophy projects uh, right before I graduated. And it's a, it's a very, I still, I use them all the time. It's it's a mm. wonderful way of exploring the monomyth that Joseph Campbell popularized uh, of walking people through uh, their life and things that might be going on because we're not as different as we all think we are. Right. <laughs> now, I'm interested because I teach archetype stuff, but I teach it based on the work of Carolyn Mace and sacred contracts, right? Um, yep. <clears throat> and so when when you are work, do you still work with people on that kind of a level when you're when you're helping them get to where they want to be now? Um, so you're going to I think you will find this fascinating, Anthony. It is not for everybody. Uh -huh. uh, in the work that you've done, have you ever come across family constellation work? Mm -hmm. No. Yep. All right. So family constellation work is essentially where you take transgenerational, epigenerational, and or immediate situations. And it's it's an extension. I'm going to be very rudimentary here, but it's an extension of sand play where okay. have you ever seen a kid with a therapist? The therapist will give the kid a sandbox and it's just got a bunch of toys in it. And the the child is given permission to play and they create dioramas in the sand. And from that, there's a symbolism and a, and a, a, a connection between everything. The kid explains it, the therapist does whatever. Now, I am not a therapist, but I am a student of symbols and visual stuff. And so, Anthony, with the concept that if I were to ask you, you know, to place your mom one place and to place your dad another place and maybe a sibling one place, or if it's a work-related issue, you know, where is that located around you in a spatial way? Now take that to the next level and imagine we're using the archetypes instead. And in fact, these are tarot cards in a three-dimensional way. And so there's a wonderful book out. Uh, I'm sure many of your listeners have seen it, The, the Lovers, Warriors, uh, you know, lover, warrior, uh, king, magician. I've got the order messed up, but it, it's a lot of people use this construct that you've got these four archetypes going on inside you all the time. There's the lover, there's the magician, there's the sovereign, and uh, there's the warrior. And all of those are tarot cards. So now imagine Anthony making those three-dimensional and rather than just a normal layout, which is what a fortune teller might do. This is actually 
a discussion of where they are spatially around you and how they morph into each other and how they become you and things like that. So the answer is yes, I work with them, uh, but it's it's literally uh, it's such intense coaching stuff that it's only on a referral basis. I will not do it with just everybody, anybody. Wow, that is really my cool. mind. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff because you know I'll tell you one of the things. There's so many people out there. So I don't read tarot cards, but I do have a very special deck of medicine cards. Right. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. It is. It's. It, but most people will be oh, that's, and like it is. It's. It's intuition. It's understanding the symbolization behind the things. Right. Because, you know, people used to say to me when I would when I was in massage therapy years ago, I would just see animal spirits around people. Right. And I learned very quickly that you don't share that shit um, <laughs> unless they ask. <laughs> well, I, I've got to tell you, it's funny that you say that. Nicole, Nicole will discover this uh, actually in tomorrow's mastermind because one of the members has asked this very question. And that is, hey, I'm starting out in my practice. I'm doing my passion, but I'm keeping my life separate because the people in the corporate world don't know I'm doing this shit. Um, and and I don't want them to know. And I can tell you from a personal standpoint what happened to me. May I share a quick story? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, so here's, here is Scott doing tarot cards. Uh, I've written a couple books on, on I'm just going to use the F word if you don't mind. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, fortune telling. And oh. so... <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've written I've, I've written a couple books on fortune telling. I've created a, a, a oracle deck. I use medicine cards, by the way, and I work with spirit animals depending on symbolism, etc. I do all this stuff, and I'm a magician. I'm a I'm in you know I've got friends in Hollywood. The people in Hollywood never, for the most part, knew I was a trial lawyer because if you're a trial lawyer, frankly, you're an asshole. The people in the corporate world, I'm a trial lawyer. We don't talk about that other stuff. Are you kidding me? Right? That's just woo-woo stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I kept it very I, I I kept them very discreet and very segregated for a very long time. And here's what happened. Uh the geek, the nerd in me, actually uh, had adopted, adapted, I should say, some of the iOS stuff that Apple was doing. And I created for my own businesses, plural. Uh, a way to use a lot of the iOS apps to successfully run a business for marketing, promotion, campaign, lead generation, referrals, et cetera. And I wrote a book, among others. I, I wrote two, but the one that actually caught fire was the Million Dollar iPad. This was back when it was first released. And Apple got a hold of me, and I immediately talk about risk aversion. I Somebody walked up to me, hands me their card. It says Apple on it. And I went, oh, my God, I've been found out. I'm using their stuff. And instead, what they wanted to do was talk to me. And so we did what every person does, at least back then, that meets with Apple. We met at Starbucks. And <laughs> here, <laughs> right? You're not at it. We're not, because you couldn't tell anybody that that Apple was at your event and you couldn't go to Apple to have this these pre-meetings. We met at Starbucks and a couple people from Apple were there. And they came in and were talking to me and they said, you know, we've listened to what you're doing. We want you to go to our briefing centers and could you train our folks and could you train the public on how to use our apps? And so for two and a half, almost three years, I was traveling around to 
you know, Philadelphia and uh, Chicago and, and then the flagship store in San Francisco for Apple training people how to use this stuff in briefing centers. And they were hosting lunches. And I learned what it was like to be a brand, not just push a brand. And then it happened. I showed up in in San Francisco. I walk in, I, you know, there's a picture of me at the opening or at the beginning of the door. And then there's this banner up the staircase. And it's like, oh my God, I've arrived. This is wonderful, right? And I walk up the stairs and one of the, the head people at Apple walks up to me. It doesn't matter who it was, but I, I, he, he walked up to me and he said, you know, before we start, are you the guy that does magic and hypnosis and tarot cards? And I, on, my heart stopped and I went, oh no. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I'm sure that, that, you know, flight, fight, faint went in and it's like, what do I say to him? Because they did, I've been so careful to keep corporate America out of the woo-woo stuff. And I said, yes, I am. Oh, we thought so. Would you do a show for us after the briefing? <laughs> <laughs> and everything changed then. Everything changed at that point because suddenly I, 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 I ask people continually, particularly as a hypnotist or particularly as a coach, who are you pretending not to be? We, you know, everybody mm-hmm. says, I'm doing this for the money. I'm doing this for this. And let's also be very candid. A lot of people get into hypnosis for the power trip. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I want to weed those people out. I want to know, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And I go back to, who were you as a kid? Right? I wanted to be a doctor and help people. I wanted to be Batman and protect the people. Right? I wanted to bully those who bullied others because I was bullied as a kid. And I wanted to be an astronaut and explore brave new worlds. And, you know, thankfully, by the way, just as a quick uh, aside, I, I got an inside look at some of the, the Star Trek stuff because one family member mem- married uh, a relative of Leonard Nimoy. And so I was so heavily involved in that and Batman. My, uh, one of my uncles worked for the TV series, the Batman TV show. So he was bringing me all this stuff. And so uh, it became very easy for me to take that whole concept and move it into what I'm doing now and finally stepping into who I kept pretending not to be. Mm-hmm. And it's that, it's that whole Renaissance brain stuff. You know, I know Nicole, you've got it, Anthony and I, you and I don't know each other that well, but just from talking to you, I'm sure you're very curious. You've got all these things going on. Right. And it's like, I, I would talk to some of my peers. I'm sure you have, you guys have done the same thing. And they're very one-dimensional, two-dimensional if you actually paid them. Um, and the reality is that's just not the world I'm from, mm. right? I like tarot. I like fortune-telling. I like mm-hmm. magic. I like hypnosis. I like public speaking. I love writing. It's it's that whole polymath concept, uh, which is, mm. you know, I, I, I think a lot of people today, Anthony, particularly in our generation, have that we've had it beaten out of us because mm-hmm. when we when we grew up in the university system or the the school system it, it it is but it was primarily an assembly line mentality mm-hmm. right you do that or you go to trade school right, right. and and so the, the reality is the the people who out there who were so creative and who have all these diverse interests and they don't know how to bring them all together 
Mm. Well, you know, and I, I really love working with people who say, I don't know where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And I love that because, you know, one of the books, I'm working on a book right now, my second one, and it's called 110 Jobs um, because I've had 110 jobs. Um, oh my goodness. I love it. Right. And I've only been fired from three. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I was one of those people that you could never, I do what this wants to do. Yeah, exactly. I do what my heart wants to do. And as soon as I, I, because I think that life is here to be experienced. I don't care what it's going to take. I'm going to do everything I can to experience as much of it as I'm a very much anti-mame kind of. Oh, there you go. Life's a banquet and most poor suckers are starving to death and I'll be damned if I'm going to go hungry. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, well, say that to a theater major and I'll <laughs> right. tell you, I know that one. And, and, and so, you know, the interesting thing is, because, you know, obviously I think the three of us have very similar approaches to working with confidence, because I know that's what you guys use. I call it fearless because that's that was Scott under the bed. I needed to be fearless. Uh, and and learning to do that. By the way, folks, when we use the term confidence and fearless, I'm going to speak now for Anthony and Nicole. We are not talking <laughs> about the absence of fear, and we are not talking about the absence of doubt. We're saying you work mm. through it anyway. You embrace yeah. it. You embrace it. It's not fear nothing. It's fear less. Yeah. Um, and so that's what all of all of these interests have allowed me to do. Right? You get this mm-hmm. giant toolkit. You know, and I, I will tell you, I, I'm just going to call bullshit on the, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. That's just ridiculous. It is. Uh, the reality is that most of the listeners, anybody who's gotten into hypnosis, irrespective of your motive behind it, um, you understand that the human brain is a computer and you understand you're no different than anybody else. And it's all a program you're running. And mm. the, the the best thing that we can do whether you're using tarot cards or hypnosis or NLP or just plain old grit is to get rid of the bugs. Yeah. Right. So now yeah. I'm talking like a program. Now I'm talking like a coder, right? And it's like most of the time I'm going through and looking at the program that people are running and I'm finding the bug or the virus that's running. And then we're restructuring it. We're rewiring or recoding what has to happen. And that goes all the way back to what I learned with tarot cards. Mm-hmm. It's you've got, 78 cards that can be arranged. They're all going at the same time, but they can be arranged in different, unique person, you know, personality-based bespoke ways that um, as long as they're working for the person for whom you're working with, it's great, but it may not be the right program for somebody else. Right. Right. And that's when I learned how, you know, as, as Anthony Jackwin wrote, uh, reality is plastic. That's when you learn all about the neuroplasticity of all Mm -hmm. this and the fact that everything, the thinking magically part is magicians don't say this can't be done. Magicians say, this is what I want to achieve. Now, how do I do it? Mm -hmm. How will I make it happen? How will I do this today? Because, I mean, those are empowering questions. That's That's the basics of empowering questions, right? Is by being able to say, how will I? It removes, it gives the subconscious mind the ability to create, um, solve problems before they, before you encounter them. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you do come up against something, it's not an obstacle, an objection or a barrier. It's like, oh, look at that. There's an interesting thing to this. Well, right? you bring and- up an, you bring up something that I have said uh, many times. And at the risk of offending any of my magician friends, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. But Anthony, it ties right in with what you're saying. Magicians do not walk through walls. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, Scott. No, wait, wait. wait. Mag- <laughs> you, from the outside watching it, see a magician walk through a barrier. There's no barrier there for the magician. Right. And that's a very important way of walking through life. Yeah. If you want to go and see the barrier, knock your socks off. But, you know, folks, there are, there are ways to not see the wall. I'll go back to the Matrix, right? I've, I've, yeah. I, I often talk about the movies The Matrix, um, Inception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Limitless, those three movies, mm. for Scott, those are documentaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was watching The Matrix really recently. I watched it again for like the 50th time or something. I was on a flight and I had The Matrix on my phone. It was the only film I had on my phone. I was like, I'm going to watch it again. And it just, every time you watch it, doesn't matter how many times you've seen it, there's something new, something magical, some part of your brain going, I just... Yes. You so, know, a fr- just... so, uh, so a friend of mine, Yuri Geller, made famous key bending and spoon bending and like. Do you remember in the Matrix? There's yeah. the little kid with the with the spoon, sure. right? Do, yeah. do you do you remember what his line was? Yes. It, it was is there. Not the there spoon is no spoon. There is no That's spoon. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. It's like right? I tell magicians people, don't walk through walls. I tell people all the <laughs> there one is of my no Insta- wall. <laughs> One of my Instagram posts this week is, you know, that that whole line that he says, only I replace, you know, it's got a shoe coming down. It's like, there is no other shoe, right? There there can't be another shoe unless you create it, right? Um, And it's funny that you were talking about one dimensional people. And if we pay him, we could get two dimensions. I think about to the attorney I was dating at the time the Matrix came out. And I was so frustrated the first time I went to the viewing of it because I had to fucking explain everything to him. Um, It was so far beyond his capacity because he was so, these are the very strict laws of everything and how things work. And it's like, to me, I'm like, oh, this is, this is reality, right? But we we, see. He, he was, he was trained to think like that. Yes. And so, uh, you know, while I tell you Inception, Limitless and the Matrix are documentaries, I also (laughs) fell in love with the TV, the TV series, uh, Westworld and Bernard, if any of you have watched this, Mm -hmm. there was one of the most amazing things in there, uh, towards one of the ends of, of one of the seasons, the comment was made to Bernard, by the way, a robot who didn't know he was a robot. That's a whole mm-hmm. other thing, right? The comment was made, this is going to hurt. And Bernard's comment was eye-opening for me because what Bernard said in response to the comment, this is going to hurt, pain is just a program. Mm. There is the episode, no pain. And then the episode the ended. Yeah. And so, again, it's, you know, you go back to and you realize that whether it's symbols or the hero's journey or the the induction scripts that we use, you know, I don't do these big, long induction stuff. It's like I learned with Elman, close your eyes and freaking don't open them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like if if you want to play, cool. Yeah, right. And so a lot of what I, the work that I do is play 
built mm. around the concept that it's it's play as long as it's working in a positive way for you. And mm. the fact is that everybody I see or encounter or whatever, I realize they're running programs. And unfortunately, um, a lot of people, particularly our age, Anthony, uh, we've learned very poor programming. Mm. And we don't right. see that there's a way to rewrite it. Well, because yeah. we were taught limits. Yeah. Right. Now, see, and I grew up in a family that, thank goodness, I, I, I really love the fact that my parents, from the time that we were little, I mean, whether it was religion or anything else, it's like, if you want to go check that out, cool, we'll take mm -hmm. you. If you want to go do this, cool, we'll take you. And, and it didn't matter what it was, they were supportive of us exploring. Yeah. Same thing know? with me. Exactly. Yeah. And, I and, I, and I don't, I, and I it's different now. It's, you know, I, I watch some of these kids and some of these kids with kids, um, and it's such a scary world for them. Right. And it's like, what, what would you be, do, or have differently if we just took the fear out of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's well, a, it's it's a hard took. world growing up today. You know, I, I, I work, I, I love teenagers. I love, you know, the 16 to 20 year old age yeah. group. And it, it really is a completely kind of misunderstood and age group and, and people, you know, oh, they're just a moody teenager or whatever. It's really hard growing up in today's world. It's, it's so complicated. There's so now, many, hold on a minute. so many and kind of owned, different. Now, I, I'm going to say that that's a limiting belief because you know what? My dad thought it was really hard yeah. growing up in his age. Yeah, group. no, I get that. I get that. I talked to my niece the other day and I'm like, Brittany, tell me at your age group, you know, can you go out and do what I did as a 20 year old and just quit your job and go get another one? Because it doesn't seem like that's possible. And she goes, oh, yeah. She goes, well, I'm sorry, so, a dozen. They, they are. I, I hear the same thing because we've got kids and grandkids. But I'm going to say this, Nicole, as, as someone who has studied a lot about transgenerational, epigenerational work, you know, my great grandparents it was straight fiddler on the roof. I know what a program is because I heard those stories, <laughs> right? Go ahead and go ahead and try and explain that to the kids today and tell me they've got mm. it hard. My mm. dad was in the Korean War. My grandparents mm -hmm. were in the were in the depression in Chicago, right? Mm. I could tell you stories out of Chicago that um, probably a lot of people would like to know because it was that point they had bread lines and and mm. Al Capone was feeding and supporting the bread lines, not the government and you know, that's a different way of living versus now that yeah. not to say that there isn't problem, but that's a different way of living that kids, at least the ones that I'm around today, don't realize they they've bought into their own matrix. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I t and I totally agree with you. And every generation has it has its different has its different kind of struggles and, yeah. and, and things that it needs to get through. I feel like today we're living in a society where we're kind of in in the middle of some sort of weird kind of neurological evolution yeah. because of the amount of screen time, the overstimulation of imagery and and um, sounds and and you know kind of the digital age is we're, we're kind of in in the middle of this very strange evolutionary process, and I think that's what I, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. And wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, with your, the kids you're talking about, I go back to me. I was, I was never told you couldn't do anything. Mm. Right. I was never told that. So I didn't know any better. <laughs> and, and so, and so I did, I just did things. Um, 
you know, you want to be Batman? Go be freaking Batman. Okay. <laughs> so I did. I walked around with a utility belt on and and I still do it. If you looked around my office right now, it's just, it's a Batman museum, right? And it's, <laughs> I, I, I've, it, there's all kinds of stuff. It's like, I'm living that because it's fun. And wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to take these kids today and do two things? I have always been a firm believer that hypnosis and mnemonics memory work should be taught in schools, number one, mm. uh, mm -hmm. because it will help kids study. By the way, I took the bar exam under hypnosis and I have never had, it was the closest I've ever had to um, photographic memory ever. I studied using hypnosis. I did my sleep study using hypnosis, programming in my dreams, and I took the bar exam under hypnosis. Uh, so that's, that's the power of that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we did that? And number two, wouldn't it be wonderful, wonderful if we took these kids and gave them permission to be what their heart calls them to be? Right. Instead of trying right. to have them live out the yeah. dreams that their parents never got to accomplish, right? right. And mm -hmm. I mean, I know that most of the 20-something-year-olds that I work with, and when I first got into hypnosis, I was like, my God, what am I doing? Because I would say that 75% of the people that I work with at that age, they were done all the stress in their jobs and that kind of stuff with, by the time they were done working with me in my program, they'd all quit their jobs, right? They were yeah. all then going to go pursue something that their heart desired rather than what society said that they needed to do. Right. And, and absolutely. You know, it, they've they pigeonholed themselves to think that this is what success is. This is what makes someone important and valuable to society, yeah. right? And and I, you know, it's the person that's valuable to society. So the way to fix that, because I do, you know, I don't often say there's a problem, but the way to fix what Anthony you just said, at least what I've learned, is if we can take the whole concept and turn it on its head and realize. Happiness is something you do, yep. And mm. success is something you feel, ha right? Mm. And and what what has happened is that the society globally has always said we do success, we do success if we can if we can do success things, we will feel happy. Right. And mm -hmm. and you're you're it's never going to happen that way, not <laughs> on a sustainable, not on a sustainable, consistent basis. And right. so mm. I'm a big believer in teaching people how to do happy. And if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling scared or you're feeling fearful, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, how do you do that? How do you do fear? How do you do anxiety? How do you do this? And people suddenly it's like, what the hell are you talking about, Scott? Mm -hmm. And and then it becomes a behavior discussion. And mm -hmm. to a certain degree, I think Nicole and Anthony, you would agree with me, we really are performance coaches. Yeah, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially when we talk about, because very much we work with parts, right? So yeah. it's the different parts performing their different roles and their different mm -hmm. programming. And it's like, okay, well, how's that performing today? What's, you know, what, what's, what, what's its kind of role in this grand theater that's, that's running around in your mind somewhere? Yeah, I, I once had, are we doing okay on time? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so, you know, I, I, it was really, hit, you know, sometimes you don't realize the power of some of the stuff you're sharing with others until you get the feedback loop. <laughs> and I, I was doing a, an event, a live event, and this person showed up late, about 20 minutes late. And I watched them as they came in the room and they started 
they got very small and they bent their head down and they tried to go sit in a seat back in the theater where they were. And I can see what they're doing. And I called them out and I said, you know, thanks for, I make a joke when someone shows up late, I always tell the audience. And then I start with, and in conclusion, so that, right, it's this whole little pattern interrupt thing that happens. And then I called this individual up and I said, you're late. He said, I know, I just, I'm so, blah, blah, blah. I'm so sorry. I'm just, I said, I don't mind that you're late. I said, everybody, you know, life happens. I said, I'm more concerned about the way you walked into the theater and tried to be invisible. What's, what's with that? Ooh, I got all question. those, I, I got all those little things. And, you know, sometimes we work with folks, Nicole, I'm sure you, you get this. It's just this instinct that says, ask this question. Right. And so, Anthony, you you asked, what do I do? So the question, it just hit me. I said, what would your dad say if he saw you walk into the theater like that? <laughs> and he said, my dad is my role model. He would have told me, put your head up, your chest out and walk in like you own the room. Nice. Mm. And I said, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back outside the theater and, and you're going to stand. I, I, there's a. The technique that I do with them where they step into the their role model. I said, you're going to step into the shoes of your dad. And you're going to walk in this room like your dad would walk in. He walked in, completely different person, right? Just the whole demeanor, body language, everything was different. Went through the live event. And at the very end, he, he was one of the people standing in line. He came up to me and he said, I just want to thank you. And I said, for what? He said, you taught me how to walk through life. Hmm. How amazing. Nice. And it was yeah. like, you know, that that's when it matters. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Boy, mm. I'm going to be stealing some of this stuff from you, Scott, you know. <laughs> 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 you know, because yeah. isn't that isn't that the beauty of what we do, that we get to observe what other what is working yeah. for people. And then we get to, you know, hopefully adapt it and apply it in a way that makes sense to us and the people that we're working with, right? Um, because I do, that's my gift in what I do is in asking the right questions based upon what my intuition says, yeah. not based upon what I have been taught. Because yeah, intuition for me is, is the most important tool that I have. And I have learned to trust my intuition. And I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong is because as children, parents, oh, don't listen to that little thing in your tummy, that, that nervousness, you know, don't, don't listen. Oh, don't do that. You know, and they, they force hugs even right. When an intuition says, I don't want to hug uncle Charlie for whatever reason, that doesn't feel safe for me. And then 20 years later, you find out well, uncle Charlie's a freaking pedophile. Um, well, you thank know. you. Thank you, Leo Biscalia for his let's hug everybody. I mean, that's who I grew up, right? You it's everybody hugs, everybody's close, everybody touches. Yeah. Now it's all fist bumping. Um, yeah. And so it's going to be an interesting uh, pushback as to whether we can get back to that Leo Biscalia of, of closeness and intimacy mm. uh setting aside the pedophile problem. Well, well, yeah, but, 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 but this is an example of how people shut that down in their kids yeah. don't listen to that little voice inside and you know i taught my my nieces and nephews for not making my sister very happy about this but i taught them that that little voice inside of them that is god's voice or whatever their higher power is that is yeah that voice. Well, and, and, you know, it's funny that you say that before, 
just remind me to go back to the divine spark concept. Okay. Um, but Nicole, Nicole has heard, going back to what you were also saying, Nicole has heard me say in the mastermind group, every single time I have failed to listen to my gut, there's been a problem mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. in, in business, in business, right? <laughs> Go with your gut. Even clients. I know when I've taken a client and it's like, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. I don't, I just don't want to work <laughs> with them because we're not the right fit. It's not that they're a bad person. It's mm. we're not the right fit for me to do my magic. Um, and one of the things, again, Nicole has heard this, but Anthony, you know, I have a standard rule. I only do magical work and I only work with magical people. I've got to meet both those criteria for me to work with people. And every time I've, every time I have fudged on one of those two, <laughs> it, it has bit me in the behind. Um, so I asked you to remind me, but I remember now, you know, the other thing that I have for those of uh, listeners, when you talk about listening to God's voice, you know, at one point, talk about the polymath Renaissance brain, I wanted to be a rabbi. I thought that was really important. And so I went through some of the study to do that. And I think it's very important for Scott to have brought back now that divine spark or the mm -hmm. spirit or the soul-based business part of this. Um, and I'm okay with people that don't want to do that. But if you want to work with me, that's it's all about that soul-centered, higher purpose. What's talking to you? How can you channel your own you, right? The mm -hmm. higher you. Um, you know, I also grew up, by the way, with Jane Roberts and the education of Oversoul 7. If you ever want to read some great stuff, and it's the whole concept of the Oversoul. So there's, you know, all this other stuff, but there's a you, there's the bigger you that you can also listen to. And, and, and I just bring that now to all my work. I talk about it and it, it makes someone uncomfortable. We may not be the right part. Yeah. You know, right? You, you may not be part of my tribe. Yeah, I, I love your I love your tagline. I, I only do magical work with with magical people. I really I yeah. really love it. It's um yeah it's uh yeah yeah I do. And it's funny you should mention that about taking on the wrong client. We always ask people that come on the podcast to share a a learning curve. You know, something that went wrong in business with a client, whatever it is. And I think ninety percent of our guests have said mm -hmm. I took on the wrong client, and I knew I shouldn't have yeah. taken them on at yep. the time. <laughs> yeah, so it, well, you know, and I don't that's think feeding that's... into that whole prostitute archetype, that fear thing of I've got to do it in order to survive. Right? Um, it, well, so, so I have a different approach because I'm not doing it to survive. Um, and right. so I'm going to add, I'm going to add to your, your, uh, your storytelling ability down the road. Um, I, do, do you guys know what a drama triangle is? Yeah. Yeah, so we talked about it. We, yeah. we did talk about it, but the, the drama triangle is very simple. Um, you learn it in film school. The drama triangle is very sim simple. In order for there to be drama anywhere in anyone's life or in any story, there has to be a victim, a hero, and a villain. Mm -hmm. And you think about our clients. They come to you. They feel victimized. What they want, to, what they want is for you to turn them into the hero in their own story, and then they will tell you there's a there's a bad guy or a bad person or a bad gal or a bad event something that has victimized them and i don't know many magicians that can work within the parameter of a of a drama triangle and so i spend a lot of time just telling people get out of the freaking triangle mm. stop playing the role stop exactly stop with the mm. stop with that archetype that you've put yourself in Mm -hmm. And who would you be if you weren't a victim? Who would you be without 
and, and so this goes to Anthony. I temper at sometimes I go back into the drama triangle and I, I am the hero. I am going to save this person and fix them. They've invited me in, right? They're like, <laughs> they're like the vampire that's invited me across the threshold, mm-hmm. right? I'm now in their proximity. Damn it. All I wanted to do was be a white knight. I got a bloodsucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in, in, so I do a lot of work with codependency. And, you know, in codependency, we talk about the triangle of the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. We, 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 we go between these roles. Yeah. When, you, when, when that is your identity, you can roll between these things so easily. But most people don't understand that about themselves and 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 so once you point it out that recognize what you're doing and how you're using your energy and what that energy feels like and then you can start to play with it and change it yeah well so, you know it, again just a little tip or trick or technique for listeners um that i just extrapolated and adapted from film school and that is what if you weren't any of those roles what if you were the director Mm-hmm. And when things are going bad in your life, what if you just said, cut, and we're going to reshoot this. And then suddenly <laughs> you, 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 send out the, you send out the script for a rewrite. Yeah. And it, it's like, I don't know if any of you have watched the Jim Carrey movie. It's a phenomenal called The Truman Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, that's what your life is, folks. You're mm-hmm. letting all these people basically create a re- reality show for you. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've chosen to participate in it. What if you didn't have to be part of that anymore? Just mm-hmm. yell cut and ask for a rewrite. Yeah. Yeah. And then, sure. and then you rewrite because you'll notice that in Anthony's model and in my model, there is no, there's no hero, villain, uh, victim, magician. The magician's <laughs> not even in the drama triangle. Right. <laughs> the, magician's, the magician's outside the drama triangle. Mm-hmm. What? So mm-hmm. I, I'm all about unlocking the magician that lives inside people, not helping them be heroes. Yeah, right on. yeah. You certainly are, and I can attest to that. I can absolutely attest to that. So Scott, we've mentioned pivot play. Do you want to tell yeah. tell our listeners a little bit about pivot play? And um, yeah, what, oh, what sure, else you've sure. got thank, going on? Th- thank, thank you for even asking. Um, uh, yeah, what what Nicole is part of is a, a, a mastermind online ongoing group that I created realizing that there are just a lot of people I love to work with, that personality of they're creative, they're imaginative, they're the polymaths, they're these Renaissance-type people, a lot of hypnotists, a lot of life coaches, a lot of fortune tellers. There, I use that F word again. Um, But different, but it's people who find themselves just insanely curious. And then they find themselves, how the hell am I going to make a living? How am I going to turn my passion into actually running a business? And the beauty is I walk in both worlds, right? I, I'm an attorney. I've lived in the corporate world. I've I've run in that circle. Um, I'm very creative and very intuitive. I've run in that world. And thanks to the question from Apple way back when, I was like, well, damn it, I'm just going to mash them up and own it. Uh, and so what Pivot Play turned into for me was my own little passion project uh, of, in the most inexpensive way I can think to do it, come up with uh, a way to put a group of people together who are like-minded, who want to learn how to run a business. Um, they still have to do the work. It's a group. It's not one-on-one coaching. They got to do the work, 
that I'm going to, you know, I give people tools and PDFs and we talk. It's an, it's every Tuesday at 10 o'clock Pacific. And for an hour, I kind of train and give my ideas. And then for an hour, it's a QA. and a And the, the group, the content morphs depending on people's needs. Uh, right now, we are starting on storytelling and creating a narrative background for your brand or uh product that you're that people are doing uh ultimately by the way i'm going to give it away to nicole now um you know we're, we're talking about creating stories so they just got a whole breakdown of different stories you can create for your business uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about the mistakes that entrepreneurs make in the context of storytelling and then once we hit uh, go into february i'm going to actually break down ai and this is the geek part of me I'm going to break down AI and chat GPT, and I'm going to actually give everybody formulas for how to use this amazing product uh, for marketing and branding. And I just started using it. it. (laughs) Well, so there are tricks to it um, that most people, you know, it's one thing to go in and dabble, um, Mm -hmm. but I've been playing around with it for quite a long time and done a lot of studying on the correct way to program the response and so those are the kinds of things we're going to do. And if people are interested in it, they can go to thinkingmagically.com and scroll down to work with me. And you can find the, the group on there. There is an application process. Not everybody, I, I can tell you, not everybody is led into the group. Um, it's I'm not doing it for the money. You'll actually see that it, you'll actually see on the pivot plate landing page why I'm doing it. Um, and it's kind of one of my ways of, of giving back to people. I, I and I can tell you the group itself is actually it started it started out as an example that somebody was talking to me uh, in Hollywood, a uh, very well known writer uh, was talking to me, and I said, "Why don't you start a mastermind group and teach people how to do what you're doing?" And he said, "I don't know how to do that." And I said, "I'll show you." And I, I it was literally on a whim that I created it at that time. It was not as focused as it is right now, um, and then. You know, one thing led to another and I've refined it down. So it's just, it's a, it's a passion of mine. And it's just, and these are wonderful. I mean, I, I really think of this as a family. Um, a lot of these people, I, I, I now have invitations to travel all over the world and stay at people's homes. It's very cool. <laughs> it, it, it is a phenomenal, a phenomenal space and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And do you mind if I share the price? Uh, no, it, 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 it might astound people. I, I mean, Mind-blowing. It's $29 a month for two hours every single week with the most wonderful group of people. And Scott, just pumping you full of valuable content and ideas. And I mean, I've been in it for a month and I, I, yeah, I love it. It's now part of my, you know, kind of weekly routine. There may be, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I really cannot recommend it enough. I'm, I'm so, so glad you did that video with Anthony. Thank you. Now, are you talking about 10 p.m. at night or 10 p.m. No, in the morning? 10, 10 a.m. in the morning. On Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And if you, and, and so here's the fun part. It's all recorded and there's a private Facebook group. So, if, so I have people in Bangkok and in um, Cambodia who it's actually tomorrow uh, and they can't be there live because I think two or three in the morning, uh, all the replays are put up. So there's replays for everybody that they get through YouTube and then all the files are there. So if you can't be there live, uh, you get it all 
on replay and then they can ask questions in the group. And it's just, it's just, they're from all different uh, locations, all different walks of light. We've got, I'm trying to think, we got Belgium, the UK, apparently we're now going to have Arizona. Uh, <laughs> Seattle rather. Uh, or Seattle, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Canada, they're, they're and, and a, it's just an, when people get to know some of the people in this group, uh, they are true geniuses. And I mean, mm. me, this is I created this group for people who would want to sit down with Michelangelo. That's the best the best way to. Explain That's it. cool. So I've got something to say. I really wish Nicole would have started this group months and months ago. And I'll tell you why. I just with my friend Jim Kellner brought him on board not long ago, but I've I'm the founder of the Pacific Northwest Hypnosis Conference. And what I would not have done to have you as part of that. And in oh, fact, okay. I'm telling you right now, next year, you're going to be the first ask for a keynote speaker. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> you I, I are appreciate fascinating. That. And I'm already like writing down what of how I want to work with you. And I'm thinking in my head, it's like, <laughs> oh, I need to set stuff up with this guy. Um, it has been amazing. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, you know what? Thank you. Because, uh, Thankfully, I'm at that point in my life where I get to go be the doctor thing and do things to help people rather than doing it for the money, which is why I did not go to med school. Um, right. <laughs> and you know, I still want people. And by the way, you know, let's just get it out there, Nicole, since you, you you talked about price. I do want. I do believe there's value to people investing in themselves. Mm -hmm. So that they at least show up. I mean, I think we mm -hmm. all historically have seen you offer a free webinar, you get 37 mm -hmm. people to show up, uh, to register and to show up if you're lucky. Um, yeah, because lucky. they don't have any, they, they don't have any skin in the game. Right. And so there, there's accountability built into everything we all, the, the, the three of us do. There's also accountability. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know what, at least spend 29 US dollars and sh show up either virtually or show up on the replay and listen to this stuff because, you know, the hardest thing I think any of us can do as what doing what we do is getting people to implement and do it on their own, right? We're not doing mm -hmm. it for you. We're doing it with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm a guy. Yep. I'm a, you know, I'm a Sherpa. Yep. That's all I am. Um. <laughs> Best $29 you will ever, ever invest Thank on you. a monthly basis. And Anthony, I love that you use Sherpa because we have somebody in the group that actually uses that term. I like to think of it as Yoda and the and, and <laughs> teaching you, Luke Skywalker, but if that works for you, you yeah. can be a Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Who did we hear that from, Nicole? Somebody else on the show said that. I'm like, that's a great metaphor. You know, I mean, yeah. we're guiding them. We're, mm. we're kind of, we're helping but we're not carrying the full load. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, we've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so, 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 so much for coming on. And yeah, um, yeah it's, been, it's been really wonderful as I knew it would be. And I'm really excited to continue working with you um, yeah, just thank wonderful. you. Wonderful. And Nicole, so thank wonderful. you, Anthony. It was marvelous meeting you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Take sir. care. <laughs> thank you guys very much. Bye-bye. Be well. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Hypnotic Healers podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and follow us on Facebook. You can also join our mailing list at hypnotichealers.com.